This is Volume 3, Issue 150 on Hotline Miami. You can play along with Kane and Rince. Uh, volume 4, in fact. The next five issues are currently being decided, so we have no news for you at the moment. Uh, there will be a couple of weeks break, and then in November, if you're listening to this uh, contemporaneously, uh, there will be new shows that... I don't actually know what they will be, but do head over to com. The new schedule will be on there. Uh, you can also find uh, blog articles, links to merchandise stall, our Facebook page, Google Plus page, our Twitter account, and our YouTube channel. And during the break, if you feel the urge, please do subscribe to us, review us, and rate us on iTunes. That is really helpful to getting us out there. Um, I'm James Carter. Joining me in this issue... He has an I-4 Secrets, Sean O'Brien. <laughs> hello, hello. I think of him as Lethal Doors, but tonight we'll call him Brian Tarrant. Hello there. And bringing us his Fists of Fury, it's Andy Hamilton. I was born in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we'll get on to the meaning of that later on, I'm sure. <laughs> um, it's incumbent upon me to mention that we, uh, we're going to be talking everything Hotline Miami. The story is possibly not the biggest drawer, but there are a few twists and turns in the story uh, of this game. So we're going to, everything's, uh, you know, no holds barred. Uh, we are going to spoil anything and everything uh, about this game. Well, not spoil. It's still great. Um, so Hotline Miami uh, released... 23rd of October 2012. It's a well, technically an independent game, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denneton Games are certainly an independent studio, and Devolver Digital are the publisher um, that, that published this game. Um, you can find it primarily uh, originally on PC, but also on PS3, uh, PlayStation Vita, and PS4. All ports for those were handled by Abstraction Games uh, and came out sometime in the two years since it, it was released, 23rd October 2012, as I said. Um, uh, the designers, Denniton Games are, uh, notably, Jonathan Cactus Soderstrom. Uh, apologies if that pronunciation is not correct. Uh, my, uh, I'm, I'm not too hot on umlauts. Um, and Dennis Wedden, it could be Vaden. Um, mm-hmm. Apologies for that. Um, 
So, before we got into our histories, as I mentioned, uh, the game was released on 23rd of October 2012. Now, I know it was released on Good Old Games on that date because I bought it. I want to say it was released on Steam like five days to a week later because other I'm sure I would have bought it on Steam in preference to Good Old Games uh, had that been released same date. So I want to say there was something either in price or... Uh, release date that, that sort of kept me from buying mm. it on Steam, but I think uh, it was price because I have it on Steam and I'm pretty sure I got it. You would have got it one. day one, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, I, it may well have just been a couple of pounds more expensive, but I've ended up with it on Steam and that's where I've primarily played it. Um, there was gamepad support added a couple of weeks after release, early November 2012, um, which we will will end up discussing quite a bit later on because that will make a big difference uh, as to your. Uh, experience probably quite frankly uh, Andy I know you'll have something to say on that I'm sure mm, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, then uh, June 2013 the 25th in America 26th in Europe I believe uh, PS3 and uh, PlayStation Vita ports were uh, were released of it and just a couple of months back anyone who'd already got it on PlayStation would have realised they'd unlocked a PlayStation 4 copy as well uh, and those mm. who didn't have it would have been able to buy it uh, 19th of August so uh, it primarily PC game but it has been ported to uh, PlayStation and the sequel will be coming out on PlayStation and uh, PC, Linux and Mac simultaneously So, um, I've already kind of mentioned my history with it kind of, uh, well, I'm probably going to need Andy's help on this, uh, one Hello. of the many reasons he's on the podcast um, <laughs> I think the first time I heard of this was on a podcast that you and Sean were hosting Robert Florence on and he was waxing lyrical about the damn thing but for the life of me I can't remember which um, podcast it was. Yeah, I can't uh, remember if it was very early Midnight Resistance it, or very late Dark Zero. It was, um, yeah, very early Midnight Resistance. Yeah. And um, yeah, it actually ties into my histories with the game as well. Um, I'd been playing it for a bit before that, mm. and that's why we were chatting about it, yeah, yeah, if yeah. I remember right. But where I was living at the time and the time period that I would have been doing that podcast does tie in quite nicely with certainly when I would have first had my hands on Hotline Miami. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's where I first heard about it. And um, not to flatter you too much, but when you, Sean, and someone like Robert Florence are all waxing lyrical about this game, it, it, it sets one to take up notice, take notice of it. Um, so I, I duly did and ended up buying it on day one, almost sight unseen. I'd literally just heard you guys talking about it um, and didn't really know anything about how it looked, how it played, what it was, and ended up uh, picking it up. Um, I then didn't actually play that much until the gamepad uh, support came out for it, um, which is probably to my detriment, to be honest. But um, so, uh, Andy, you said you'd, you'd played it before release and then picked it up day one. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think it, it was first shown, or certainly um, the first buzz about it came when it was shown at Resd in two thousand and twelve, yeah, yeah. and. Eurogamer basically called it Gamer Show and everyone who had a chance to play it while they were there just yeah. absolutely gushing over it. And um, yeah, I used to live with the mastermind behind SavvyGamer.co.uk and Kane and Rince Get, guest um, on uh, yeah, on guest, Binding of Isaac show, yeah, yeah. yeah, Binding of Isaac expert Louis Proctor <laughs> um, and he actually had uh, what like an alpha build of it and I can't remember if this was through some of the IGF stuff he did or whether he just asked for it <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> but um, yeah he had like an early build of it 
and I mean instantly I mean obviously I'd seen the Eurogamer stuff but yeah he just told me straight up like you're gonna love this it's very relevant <laughs> to your interest so yeah he yeah. stuck it on a USB stick I stuck it on my computer and by god yeah he was right um, <laughs> turns out he knew stuff yeah yeah, yeah the, um, this early version obviously no gamepad support no cutscenes about 8 to 10 of the levels some of the music was different a um, couple of little things here and there are different. I think mm. I still have this somewhere. It's just in a RAR file, sat on an old drive. <laughs> so I, I could probably go back and check it out. But um, yeah, that's that's when I first played it. And it absolutely took me over. In fact, it took the whole house over. <laughs> During the summer of 2012, I'm pretty sure if you came over to our house, you would have heard Horse Steppen playing at some point <laughs> in one room because we got locked in a couple of score battles. Um, mm. And oh, yeah, there was no high scoreboard built into it either. So it was just a case of you heard a yes come from the other room <laughs> and then you'd frantically reach for your phone to take a photo <laughs> of your PC screen and then just send it to them going, you know, with a couple of profan- bits of profanity, like there you go, beat that. Um, so obviously, I was all in straight away. It had the right blend of action and um, score attack that I tend to look for yeah. in games like this. And then, yeah, obviously, I pre-ordered it, got it immediately on Steam, and now I own it on. I think I own it on every platform it's available on. I can't move without being able to play Hotline Miami. And to be honest, that's, that, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no bad thing. Excellent. So, Brian, how about yourself? When did you come to Hotline Miami? I got um, sort of hooked onto it with the uh, Eurogamer stuff uh, after the Res uh, Gamer Show nomination. Yeah. Uh, same, uh, same as you, Andy. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, though, I would crippled my PC about a year before in one of my sort of futile attempts to upgrade it. Um, so I was resigned myself to not playing it, basically. Um, but it looked good, and then they started to wave the prospect of a, a Vita version around. And like all good Vita owners, I was desperate for something to play on it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I sort of bided my time till that <laughs> came out, and uh, yeah, that was a as a, a day one Vita release purchase. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's the only platform I've played it on, really. I mean, I, I think I might have played a level or two on the PS3, but it's mostly been uh, sort of a commute game, really. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, and it has been a constant feature on my on my Vita since it came out. Yeah, works well in that respect because obviously it's very quick, very short. If whether, whether you yeah. succeed or fail in a given mission, depending on what your objective is, um, it, it, very easy to yeah just suspend and then pick up later on. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's yeah, something about the rhythmic nature of it, which we'll get onto later. That's sort of good for being on a tube train, sort of rocking backward and forward. <laughs> Although think, if someone looks of, over your shoulder, presumably yeah. they then move there to were the a few, There were a few times, yeah, there were a few times where I was sort of sitting next to someone and I thought, this is probably a, a bit they shouldn't be looking at. And so, a bit much yeah. for the three-year-old leaning over your shoulder. Yeah. Looking at what's on the there screen, was a yeah. few moments of, yeah, <laughs> of violence that they should look away from. But yeah, that was my experience with it. Cool. Mm. And Sean, how about yourself? I had not heard at all about this game until mm. the Giant Bomb Quick Look came up. Yeah. And I... Uh, popped on that and I, I just the name alone was enough to get me interested because it's mm-hmm. a very games are really bad at naming themselves so like hotline miami just really sticks out and so i i took a look at the quick look and um it was, seemed pretty interesting and then there's one part towards the beginning where it was patrick and ryan and patrick's uh going on about the the mechanics and and um uh, the song Hotline comes on that and ryan tells him he's like shut up shut up shut up this beat's awesome. And, I'm, and I was like, you know what? He's right. This yeah. beat is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I was like instantly hooked on the music and just, I watched yeah. a little more of that and I was like, oh, this looks great. So, but I don't play on PC. So 
I kind of didn't buy it day one, and I ended up just buying it anyway on a Steam sale. Um, mm. And then I tried playing it, and because I, I haven't played a PC game since Diablo two when it came out, so I'm a little rusty with uh, <laughs> mouse and keyboard stuff. So I kind of just put it on hold until the the Vita version came out, and then yeah. eventually played that enough to get the platinum. So um, yeah, mostly just uh, played it on Vita, really. Yeah, yeah, excellent. So we we've got. A pretty good variety of experiences there, despite the fact, one way or another, we'd all kind of heard of it, I guess, before it came out, um, n- nearly, um, aside from possibly you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly about the name, I, I'd never really thought much, aside from when I first heard of it, like you, Sean, the, the name sounded bizarre. I'd never mm-hmm. really thought much about where it came from. Obviously, the the voicemail calls are in there, but actually, uh, today I started up a level, and the, the, the tech... The, um, answering machine message that you got was about the Hotline Miami dating service. Mm. Um, so I, it's one of the one of the random messages you can get at the start of a level in the in the game refers to that as the name of a dating service, and obviously all these phone calls are coming from uh, the same organization or network, mm. um, passing on thinly veiled messages to go and kill a bunch of people <laughs> in a room to, you know for for apparently no reason at all i do um, love the way those so, are written though they, they, those little uh introductions are done really really nicely they are thinly veiled but i think they, yeah. they, they strike the right sort of tone with them mm. I think. yeah 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 no they absolutely and they give a certain sense of i mean there there is a certain amount of comedy about them oh yeah uh, Blackly, even if Blackly it is comedy. very black and very uh yeah very disturbing uh like like much of the game frankly <laughs> um which brings us neatly look at that didn't even try for it although i'm pointing it out now so uh, to the mood and tone of the game we've already discussed uh some of the the artists that, and, and the music um it's so the sound of it, it it's all modern music, which, given the game is otherwise pretty much period set in uh, 1989, April 1989 as it happens, um, the music is all very modern, but it is a lot of synthesised music that you would associate with that late 80s period. Um, it's just obviously much more modern variants on that. Um, but yeah, electronic, um, heavy uh, sort of synthesised beats, and um, this almost, um, I don't know, it... it it does sound very off kilter. There's some discordant uh, discordance to the music that gives you that. I mean, the same with the visuals. We'll come on to in a sec. It gives you that feeling of being almost drug fueled. There's no other way to put it. I don't yeah. think um, it very much associates a game with that period in history that the game uh, is particularly evoking um, in in Miami, particularly, but but generally in club scenes in the late eighties. Yeah, yeah. The music's essential. It's it's. Yeah absolutely crucial to how the game is played um it's you know dance music by its nature is a repetitive rhythm and mm-hmm. you know obviously it's got a bit of 80s synth stuff going on there and a bit of like modern trance in there as well mm-hmm. and the, you know the whole point of it is it just powers you through you know you yeah. and it, it gives you something that you can almost lock into something you can help something that helps you focus and um yeah. i mean it's not a focus in like a relaxed way where you're trying to concentrate and write something it's focused in an intense it's adrenaline yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it helps you know boost up your adrenaline and i mean it really works it's it's yeah. it's can you imagine playing hotline miami with anything else than this music it's <laughs> the carpenters like, um, might actually yeah it's like um and another thing that I've, i like about and i think this is something that we might touch upon as we 
talk about various other parts as well but um it's a curated soundtrack by the creators like they've gone and picked these bits out and they're they they're very much um they very much fit the 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 levels that you're on like there's one set in a club which happens to be a bit more dancey than the others mm-hmm. um obviously there's the the bit in the hospital which is a very different mm-hmm. tone and then the post level music as well that plays um and the the <laughs> score screen as well which is almost like euphoric release as well like yeah. it's it's, yeah, it's all picked perfectly yeah. um and it reminds me of people like Tarantino and his soundtracks mm-hmm. like that you know he he hand picks he doesn't just go right write me a load of music Hans right, Zimmer, yeah. no, definitely. you know, he goes through <laughs> archives and goes like, right, that is perfect for this scene. You know, can you imagine, you know, watching that Reservoir Dog scene about stuck in the middle of you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it feels almost like uh, in this game, much like a Tarantino film. Um, each level was designed with a almost with the music already in mind. Mm. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they've they've almost scored it to the music. They've said right, this, this track's gonna you know gonna be the centerpiece. It does almost feel that way. Um, mm. and yeah, it definitely. Just, it speaks to the unison between the game and the and the music. Um, just as you say, yeah. Um, a- any particular standouts for for you, Sean or Brian? Um, anything that that really. Oh, track-wise, I couldn't name them, but uh, I just—it's one of those things where, yeah, I don't—I I, wouldn't—I wouldn't be able to identify a particular level that is my favourite or a particular mm. track that is my favourite. But they—they they all have that same sense of you were talking about getting the adrenaline going. You know, mm. it, it kicks in straight away. You start mm. nodding, kind of nodding along to the to the rhythm of it, to the beat, and it's this. There's an aggression to it. But yeah. it's controlled aggression, isn't it? And that's what I think. Because when you said, "Can you imagine any other type of music?" I did sort of think, "Well, you know, maybe you could put some, you know, death metal or speed metal over the top of it." But I don't <laughs> think it's the same because it's it's a bit too chaotic. Yeah, you wouldn't go high scores with that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, this is much more. There is a, there is a sort of controlled outburst mm. to it, and, that, mm. and that's what I, I really like about that. Yeah, it's um, the other thing about it is um, you've got all this <laughs> all this music that's. Um, you know, very intense, very dancey, and is designed to try and lock you in to the, you know, mm-hmm. as we've said, this kind of intense focus to get mm. through the levels, almost to put you in the mindset of the the individual that you're right. playing as. Yeah. Um, yeah. The music doesn't cut when you restart or die. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's actually a big part of it that it's yeah. it's constant. Mm-hmm. Like and yeah, again that that really helps with the gameplay. Um, if it was to stop and go back to the start every time, not only would it be really annoying, but I think that that would, you know, be detrimental to the sort of constant try again, try again, keep going, keep yeah. going, keep going. Yeah. Nature yeah. of the game. Well, because because it, what it means is if some part of the game is continuing, even though technically the level you're currently playing doesn't, mm. um, it. it it reinforces. It, it would if the music stops well. It reinforces the fact you died. Whereas when the music yeah. keeps playing, it's almost like you haven't died and had to restart. Hitting um, that retry button for me is like it's like rhythm action game for me because it's just like you die, you hit it again, you die, you hit it again, and you just go round and round. And I did it last night. I was, I, I must have gone to bed about ten thirty uh, and brought my Vita with me to sort of play through as much of the game yeah. again as I could. And it was it was like gone twelve before I knew it and my wife was sitting there going yep. can you turn that off now because I'm getting sick of the clicking uh, but it was I couldn't stop it it was still click go again mm-hmm. again yeah. again and it's yep. just so that uh, is so addictive and I, I dangerous actually, in that yeah I actually screen. found myself a few times surprised that I was back at the start of the level because I hadn't remembered yeah. pressing restart <laughs> yeah and, and that sounds like almost really 
yeah dangerous from my yeah. point of view. Like I don't realize I'm playing this game, but there is something we've talked about it being a, a, a sort of like a controlled, um, it's a trans- aggressive beat. Yeah. It's transcendental. Is exactly it. Yeah, it does put you into a trance, yeah. but it's not like a zen-like state like you would get with something that was a very relaxed, laid back. There is a certain amount of tension across the shoulders. Yeah. You know, real focus, sat on the edge of your seat. Um, Great teeth, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And all of this is actually conversed to the very beginning, like the opening menu screen with Son of Oz, oh, yeah, um, it's a- horse step, and it's very. <laughs> that song sounds like it's on heroin. It's like, the calm oh, yeah. before the storm, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and like the the way the visuals there just like screw with your eyes with all the mm. different weird colors blending into each other. Yeah. This is a very different like transition yeah, from that into the main it's, game. It's sitting on a beach with with yeah. you know like the blended Palm colors of the sunset by. in mm-hmm. front of you. Um but it has this elongated uh note like really elongated notes mm-hmm. that, that make you feel like it should be moving faster than it is but it's just <laughs> someone yeah. really lazily playing an instrument. Yeah, completely different to the rest of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But perfect nonetheless. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. It sets it yeah. sets the tone from the title screen. It's not yeah. the same tone you get when you're cutting about the levels of a <laughs> fire. Axe. But in terms of just how weird the game's going to yeah. be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the title screen it's got Russian text. I mean, the, yeah. the actual title of the <laughs> game is a tiny little inset at the bottom of it, yeah. which you'd almost blink and miss and just think it was part of the over, overall sort of. Uh, Rousseau aesthetic, uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, there's a Russian text and vibrant pink par- palm trees on a pink background, mm-hmm. um, and just almost Proteus-like in that respect. Yeah. <laughs> so this kind of sort of languishing track makes sense, but yeah, it's it's the calm before the storm very much. Yeah. Um, speaking of that sort of pink menu screen, it, it continues on into the rest of the game. There is an incredibly neon. Garish is the only word I could I could think of other than neon to describe it. Um, look to the game in terms of colours, uh, in terms of how vibrant it is, and in terms of almost like um, doing the same thing to your eyes as the music's doing to your ears. It's overloading it, but with this like forcing you to focus on what's actually important on the screen. Yeah, it's um I mean the color palette they tend to use is like a extreme version of that kind of cliched 80s club thing. Right, yeah. You know, all, yeah. all the neon greens and pinks and blues and stuff. Um and at the same time like a lot of you know sort of dark spaces and stuff. It's um hmm. so that's kind of what they've gone for. Um and it, obviously that aesthetic blends with the music and the setting of the game. But yeah. I mean that's one of Hotline Miami's like many successes is like a- aesthetically, it's absolutely on point from title yeah. screen to graphics to music like the, the the line all the way through them. It's it's all on point. It's all on the same message of yeah. trying to get across what they developers wanted to and, and with the marketing as well actually i was surprised yes, many that's the, true the stills the art the separate artworks are not from in-game but separate from mm-hmm. android artwork you all know the the pictures i'm talking about yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. of the the sort of various bad guys in quotation marks in their white sort of miami vice <laughs> suits and yeah. then the main character their baseball bat you know drenched in blood baseball with the jacket, yeah. jacket yeah. and the mask on yeah um all just really in keeping with with the tone of what's going on yeah. uh, mm-hmm. throughout the game. Really, it's it, it is quite it is quite singular in, it, in mm-hmm. its focus to evoke that sort of eighties Miami uh, style to mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it feels very yeah. like sort of acid trip type. Yeah, of, yeah, uh, yeah, look yeah to it. And I don't yeah, know if totally. this is it's one of those things where it's, I find it hard to pick out. It's while I'm playing it, it's almost like the, the, the visuals feel like they kind of 
they sort of throb with the with the beat of the music, and I don't know if that's something everybody else has experienced. But I'm it just not sure they like, do. <laughs> like, I no, think no, that... but it, it, well, it's just it, it kind like of do. yeah, yeah, and the, there's slight color shifts and things like that, isn't there, in the background when, it, um, when you move around? I don't know I, how they do it, but I tell you what, it, it reminds me of is we've all had it. You play Guitar Hero for too long, staring at the screen, <laughs> yeah. walk away, and yeah. the entire it's room seems waves. to be sliding <laughs> down yeah. the wall. Yeah. <laughs> it has that effect because you're you're being so assaulted with the beats of the music that it actually does start to make you feel like what's on screen is pulsing. What it does do, especially in the menus, but actually in some other scenes in the game, particularly uh, some of the conversations you're having with the three masks sat in a room, um, it starts to put the um, the perspective on screen, it starts to twist it slightly. That's right, put it yeah. slightly off kilter, mm-hmm. so it feels like you're almost you know turning your head, but you're not, it's the screen. And it just it, it puts you sort of just... As I say, off kilter again is is how how it felt. Yeah. Um, but nothing. The, the kind of environments, the levels, are sort of sit in a kind of just a plain neon background, don't they? And I think yeah, they kind yeah. of move. They kind of move ever so slightly. You know that that sort of tilt effect that you get on an iPhone or a, a other smartphone. You know the backdrop. Yeah, is that yeah, kind yeah. of weirdness where you think are my eyes playing tricks on me on that. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's very yeah, very effective, I think, and, and it, it's one of those. Is how the the music and the and the look and the feel of it all mesh so well together. Yeah, yeah. yeah most impressive thing about the whole look and I mean, actually, of the whole package is like it's made in Game Maker. Yeah, like, it's yeah. not. They didn't. You know, this is made on like a commercially available bit of software <laughs> that yeah, you can just yeah. go on Steam and buy. Yeah, that any of us could frankly be using right now, mm-hmm. and some people I know are just to tinker around with and see what they can make in it. Yeah, and, well. and yeah, start to finish, made in this. Um, and yeah, it's we've we've spoken about games like um, like Proteus um, and this and Gunpoint we talked about recently that are that are showing that actually you take some talented individuals and give them what is ostensibly a very simple piece of software. Frankly, the people at Epic should be absolutely and they yeah. are <laughs> really worried about this because yeah. you've got stuff like this, stuff like Unity that. It, it, there's no reason to be paying, you know, tens of thousands of pounds for a mm-hmm. license to use a piece of uh, a piece of sort of high level proprietary software like Epic um, Epic make. Not to say that the the Unreal Engine isn't still, you know, a fantastic piece of software, but why would you learn to use that when you could learn something that's, mm-hmm. you know, twenty dollars, you know, hundred dollars, something like that, that you can pick up off Steam and just tinker around with yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredibly impressive to think that. Yeah, it's almost um, more honest, though, isn't it? It's like you can't yeah, yeah, hide behind yeah. the Unreal Engine because everything looks amazing in the Unreal Engine. Like you could sure, make yeah. a mock-up yeah. of my kitchen and it look amazing in the <laughs> Unreal Engine. Whereas in, with something like Game Maker, I mean, and Hotline Miami is the prime example of it. Is like the ideas shine through, mm-hmm. like the whole packet. Like just, if you turned yeah. off the music in Hotline Miami and just watched it from afar on a monitor, watch someone playing it, you might just shrug and walk away. And yeah, yeah. if you listen to the music on its own, I'm not really into dance music, so like, yeah, yeah. you know, I might just yeah. go, oh, "It's all right, yeah," <laughs> and then never yeah. go back to it. But like, it, yeah, the ideas are there, and they and they're yeah. showing, and every you know, it's it's just it's all it, everything is on the game in your face, ready to you know, ready to show off the <laughs> the yeah. gameplay basically. <laughs> in, in terms of uh, that sort of neon garish '80s look. Um, the other thing to say is when you're actually playing the game you're quite right Andy uh, and Brian you mentioned it as well you've got a neon surround but actually the the square often or the, the sort of uh, rectangular shape that you're looking at is 
is actually quite drab and pixelated and simplistic in in some ways. Um, not that there aren't neon aspects and uh, interesting aspects in terms of um, the way that that's dressed and decorated, um, but it does have that feel of. So the, the original uh, Grand Theft Auto game was was the one I came to. When you're out of the car and walking around, you see a head and a pair of shoulders either side of it. You know, just a little almost uh, oval shape that the the player takes up, yeah. and that's how this game looks in much smaller environments, controlled environments. But that's what I I immediately thought of when I when I saw it. Um, what did you guys think about the uh, the sort of pixelated look to it and and how they actually went about making each level uh, appear to the player? It's obviously with the '80s aesthetic. They were, I think, they were leaning towards the kind of retro game style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that if they actually wanted to make it of that period and make it look like a NES game, yeah. I yeah. think that would have lost a lot of what yeah. makes it Hotline Miami. That would have been too basic. Yeah. So it's this kind it's of weird. Yeah. yeah. It's this kind of weird between, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, to anyone who looks at it, they go, "Yeah, right. It, it looks like a." Looks like an old video game, mm-hmm. but it but it it doesn't. It's deceptive, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot more going on in each level. There's a lot of uh, actual detail there, um, right down to the individual pixel as it happens yeah. with some of the sec- the hidden puzzle pieces. Well, this is but, it as um, well. Yeah. Is I mean, to look at a still picture of it, you you can obviously see like all oh, right, yeah, it, it's not all that. But when you see it moving, it's so slick and mm-hmm. the animation. Yeah on a lot of it yeah, is absolutely superb yeah. and I mean obviously then then you drop the violence in over the top of it and right. um, yeah, yeah. Think, you know things start to splatter everywhere and it starts to look even more <laughs> you know yeah. it's, it actually is quite a detailed game um, but I think it looks yeah, amazing I think like it's it's a, yeah. a classic example of like a perfect aesthetic from from top to bottom I've said it six times now yeah. but like yeah <laughs> it, it's, it, Hotline Miami is meant to look like that yeah, they, they, it, it does exactly what it needs to do to inform the player of everything it needs to inform the player of, and also to mm-hmm. give a feel for the world that is is being set up in front of your eyes. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And and if it looked like a modern game, I think it would take away a lot of the speed. Like if yeah. it was just like a yeah. generic yeah. third person shooter, yeah. so you need to kind of break that illusion of like you, you see him moving that fast, you know he can't move that fast. No one can move that fast. Like dogs can move yeah. that fast as they do in the game, but you know he he runs through rooms, especially if you have on one of the masks that makes you run even faster. Like you, yeah. if it was a regular, yeah, more realistic looking yeah. game, it, it would totally break the illusion. So no, there's I mean there's there's times where you can burst into a room with two or three enemies in it and. In less than a second, yeah, have run all. over to all three yeah. of them, <laughs> knock them all in the head, and then be strangling one of them on the floor. Which I, mm. I realise the horror of what I've just said as I'm saying it, but that's, <laughs> that's what the, the game's point, about. Man. So yeah, 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 unfortunately, you know, uh, or fortunately, depending upon your perspective, I suppose <laughs> that that is what the game is is about. But it's ludicrously fast. But that's, ludicrously fast. do you know what that reminds me of? It reminds mm. me of most movies from that era as well. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah. like John Woo stuff. Yeah, 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 and, and any martial arts stuff, and also like. Yeah. Things like um, top of my head, the, the bit in Predator where Arnie boots the door down, knock knock, and then yeah. he, he shoots one guy and then whoop, knife through the other knife guy, stick yeah. around. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's um, <laughs> that's it, you know you, you can't do that. <laughs> that's no, not no, how no. real fighting <laughs> yeah. works. But it yeah. does in the films, and it does in a lot of eight, like late eighties action films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it reminds mm-hmm. me. I mean, we're going to get onto films eventually, aren't we? Like it's they're inevitable. Oh, yeah, yeah. The amount of <laughs> the amount yeah. of sort of like touchstones it has. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it has that that pace of an eighties action. No, definitely, yeah, where people are doing... I mean, that that was the thing in the late 80s. We didn't 
have the number of superhero films you do today didn't matter all the action films were superhero films they just didn't call them superheroes <laughs> they, i mean they were they were doing superhuman things in in those films be it rambo be it uh yeah any arnold schwarzenegger film frankly um yeah absolutely uh, and and there wasn't really much of a care about whether physics actually existed in the worlds that we were being shown uh, and and the same here to a certain extent there's there's definitely physics in the game that you have to understand but as far as the Portraying real life, yeah, nothing could be further from the uh, from the minds of um, of the guys who designed this. It's it's absolutely clear in every way, shape, and form, really. Cool. So, um, moving on to exactly that, Andy uh, influences not just on the story. But we've talked about some of the influences on the the look and the feel of the game, but. It, it's tough to come up with a concise list because it is so far-reaching. There are obviously uh, influences that um, that the two designers have mentioned and have yeah. cited themselves, and then there are other ones they've actually kind of said, "Well, we see the similarity, but it wasn't. We don't feel it was an influence uh, on what on what we were making." Mm-hmm. Um, just off the top of my head, I mean, obviously, um, Drive by, um, again, apologies if the pronunciation is <laughs> incorrect, Nicholas Winding, I, I think it's Reffin, Reffin, but it could be Wren. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's thanked in the credits, though, isn't he? Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so it's uh, definitely and that's right out that. there, yeah, yeah, and they're really open about that. In terms of, I, I think particularly the mood and the tone of it, it's there. Uh, yeah. Not so much necessarily the narrative, because the games try to do something very specific, I think. Um, but Pusher as well was um, really his sort of calling card, the trilogy of films um, about uh, drug dealing in, in uh, I think it is Denmark. Apologies if that's incorrect. I think it is. Um, it's been ages since I saw it. Um, but but that almost more than, than Drive has that sort of uh, drug side of things, that really grimy, gritty look at... Um, not glamorized in any way because to drive in terms of the aesthetic there is a certain amount of hollywood mm-hmm. in there totally. you can see that it's a it's a film made for an american or a western audience um whereas pusher is almost documentary mm-hmm. style um which, which is where the other oft-cited reference comes in which is uh, a, a documentary by billy corbin called cocaine cowboys which looks at late 70s early 80s miami drug scene which is basically their template in terms of what they wanted the the game to represent um so yeah yeah is that the crazy one where like the entire police force from like uh, from a certain uh, qualifying year of police school all got busted for drugs yeah, <laughs> basically yeah yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah i mean that kind of like weird sort of underground corruption definitely something and it like the thing about hotline Miami, you say it, it it's not about um glamorizing the drugs it's meant to be gritty but it is glamorizing that a little wow. bit I would say yeah. it totally glamorizes violence, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, violence, obviously, but yeah, like it, it glamorizes that underworld, like being the, being the yeah, the bad yeah, guy yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I guess that's fair. And it's like it glamorizes being the bad guy because there's badder guys, I guess. <laughs> um, and yeah, that, I mean that that's something that you definitely see in in a lot of films like this, the, yeah, the, no, the kind true. of anti-hero. Yeah. Um, I mentioned yeah. Arnie earlier, but mm. other than the sort of his influence on the sort of speed of the action, the only film of his that I can think that really uh, stands out as an influence, on, a possible influence on Hotline Miami is the club scene from Terminator 1, which <laughs> which is basically yeah, yeah. a Hotline yeah, Miami definitely. level. Um, yeah. You know, goes in, tracks someone down, starts shooting. Um, and the, obviously the soundtrack and stuff in that scene is 
you know completely on point. Yeah, no, um, yeah. and uh, I, I just just keyed this in. Um, but old boy as well. Um, just in terms of like unreliable narrator mm. story kind of out of sync in terms Definitely, of the timeline yeah. and, and the um, hallway scene yeah the hallway scene yeah. <laughs> which is again basically a level from Hotline yeah. Miami <laughs> yeah definitely yeah, yeah. Right, right down to that moment where you pause outside a room's door and plan what you're going to do you know the, that entire the entire build up for that mm. is just <laughs> plan 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 and execute um, it doesn't always go that smoothly in Hotline Miami but but the planning and the execution when it does go that well uh, yeah very similar yeah I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that at all but no you're absolutely spot on yeah and not to keep dropping film references but I, I see a lot of Scarface in it as well mm. oh yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah, in that sort of yeah. well you talk, talked about um, glamorising the sort of the bad guy yeah uh, absolutely and sort <laughs> of, you know uh, playing up the the glamour of of the cocaine trade in those in, in that era, but also the 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 flashes of horrible violence against this sort of backdrop of sort of you know beautiful sun bleached mm. buildings and everything like that. And it, that was some a film I saw that when I was far too young to see it. And I think that <laughs> that sort of the chainsaw scene specifically is what I mm. think about yeah. when I think of mm. uh, Hotline Miami. There's a lot of similarities yeah, yeah. there i think in the kind of the, the feeling it evokes of being repulsed but also attracted to it at the same time mm. yeah, yeah definitely yeah definitely um in in terms of uh narrative hotline miami is is part of what is i guess termed metafiction which is basically fiction that breaks the fourth wall mm. um so in 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 this case uh, the mm. designers actually appear at the end of the game much like in some uh, i guess sort of 70s era cartoons particularly um yeah. you would you would pull back and you would see the animator sat there talking to the the creation that they were busy drawing um, <laughs> yeah. or you'd see the hands sort of peer in or almost monty python style you know come in and rearrange the the animation on screen etc so um th- there is there is a, a a bit of that going on, albeit all kept in inside the game. It never actually steps out of the game, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it definitely talks to to the player outside of of the game um, pretty directly. A lot of what's being said to the character is basically being said yeah, to the player. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the in famous any line. of those scenes in between. Sorry, go on, Sean. No, I was just going to say. That it, I was just going to agree with you that that famous line from the game. That, you know, do you like hurting people? It's it's just yeah, yeah, as no, much about to you yeah. as it is him. So, oh yeah, yeah. yeah definitely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they do the old trick as well that like the guy you're playing as he's he's nameless, faceless. Sure. You know. Yeah. And yeah. not only that, but like he doesn't have a clue what's going on either. So yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, so yeah. you, you know, it it gives you that obvious in to relate to what's yeah. being told to yeah. you. The Legend of Zelda in, that's what it's normally called. (laughs) And and interestingly, the moment that you, the player, start to have more of an idea of what's going on than the character in the game does, that character's gone. You're on to the next guy, who at that point (laughs) is where you are. Um, So yeah, yeah, there's there's very much a notion of keeping the the protagonist absolutely in step with what the player knows and and exactly out of the as out of the loop as the player is, Mm -hmm. um, which is uh, yeah definitely interesting. so narratively, in terms of references, David Lynch is is yep. referenced uh, pretty strongly uh, mm-hmm. throughout the game. Just in terms of that, again, it, it's it's that sort of weird, off kilter, um, mysterious is the yeah. only real wor- way to put it. Narrative where you're not really sure what's happening. You may actually never be sure even by <laughs> the end. Yeah. Um, you know, David Lynch famously included with Mulholland Drive DVDs a checklist of here's ten things that you should be thinking about <laughs> yeah. when you're watching this film that might help you understand what's going on. Right. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, Sean, you popped in Lost Highway as, mm-hmm. a, as a reference. I haven't seen that. But, okay. um, did you want to talk about, about that in particular? Well, aside from there is actually one line in the game that's straight out of Lost Highway, which is where it's in the beginning where you run into the room and there's the three guys sitting there. And um, one of them says, uh, we've met before, haven't we? And that's mm. that's like straight out of Lost Highway. There's a scene where this mystery man right. talks to the main character. He says that line to him. And that's that kind of what sets off the whole story of that, right, that movie. Okay. Yeah. But both Lost Highway and Moha and Jive deal with um, these kind of like dual narratives where halfway through it just splits off the protagonists and it gives you a totally new yeah. one. Yeah, And yeah. it's clearly an influence here where just, oh, they yeah, just totally yeah. restart the story halfway through and give you a new yeah. person yeah. altogether. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, Mulholland Drive I've seen and, and really enjoyed. Twin Peaks and Lost Highway I haven't and probably should rectify, uh, you know, as soon as possible. But um, everything I've heard about Twin Peaks uh, just seemed very obviously a, a touchstone um, in, in Hotline Miami as well, just because it, it's... It's all dreamlike stuff. Yeah. yeah, very very dreamlike. You're not sure what's real, what's not. Right. Mm-hmm. You're you're not sure if you know. And we'll come on to this in a second. If the entire thing could be a fabrication of mm-hmm. the protagonist. Yeah. Um, which is very much the case here because um, that line where um, it's uh, it's Richard the um, the the chicken mm-hmm. mask mm-hmm. Uh, sa- says to the player, "We've met before, haven't we?" You then realise that the the first mission that you do the only mask you have available to yeah. you is Richard. So yeah. obviously, yes, you've met before <laughs> in terms of these masks are personas that the protagonist is wearing to mm-hmm. distance themselves from what they're doing. Right. So are the masks really people talking to you or are they just the protagonist yeah. sat there mm. looking at three masks he's worn, talking to them <laughs> and, you know, in terms of kind of like a split personality type thing. Mm. Um, and that's very much a question. I so, quite- yeah. Uh, in, aside from the grand narrative of it, I actually quite like the the bit with the with the the prostitute and how um, you, when you brought her back to his apartment, how between levels there were slight changes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. She'd be the first time it, she'd be laying in the bed. Next time she'd got up and was she in the bath or mm-hmm. she's yeah. looking at herself yeah, in the mirror? Her but story s- going as well. Yeah, yeah but mm-hmm. slowly the house becomes organised, doesn't it? And yeah, it, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah like, yeah. but yeah. yeah, she seems to have been. Uh, a, a sort of a, a positive a, force, a, yeah, yeah. positive influence. In, it's always in interesting when you get life. to the end of the levels after that character is 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 in there. To immediately you go back to your apartment. My eyes would scan around and see where she is and what she's doing to try <laughs> yeah. and piece her story together as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's really really subtle as well because it is just like yeah, she'll be in the bath and yeah. Yeah. and at first um, you she's like locked away. Yeah, in you areas can't you can't, you can't yeah. interact with it at all but eventually right. she is just like in the front room and you can walk past mm-hmm. her yeah. and spin yeah. around and stuff um, <laughs> and yeah in terms of the plot uh, at the the crucial point where the narrative splits uh, mm-hmm. when you go to the um, the call centre um, to investigate yeah. a prank caller and um, you have the yeah. fight with uh, the motorcycle biker. helmet guy yeah. biker and um at that point, if the, the phone calls seem and the the bits between the level where you speak to uh, your your friend Beard, um, as he's known <laughs> by the community, um, there's a guy between levels who basically is almost like your handler, I guess, in a way. Like you go in there and he kind of says like, "Take that pizza box over yeah. there." What what's in it? No one knows. Could be pizza. Could be yeah. money. It, it, but you just take it. It's on the house. You leave. Yeah. Um, he starts to hint at like getting out, and maybe you mm. should too. 
And obviously, you know, if you're piecing together what's going on here, you've got this character who's done all these horrific things. Maybe not of his own violation, you know. Maybe he's, you know, being controlled. Mm. Yeah. You know, we don't know. Um, yeah. yeah, and he's decided, right, I'm gonna stop this. You know, even this yeah, yeah. this guy's telling me we can stop this. And killing uh, Biker seems like the obvious point where you could go right. Okay, we've been to the call centre and addressed what we've what's what's happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not long after that that um, it all all goes very very south, and <laughs> um, and she ends up being killed. Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really it's quite amazing that a series of pixels that move position on a screen <laughs> and that's it. It's not like you're talking to them. There's there's no dialogue between these two nope. characters mm-hmm. at all. No, absolutely. But you you do care when yeah, she's dead, she and yeah. after the hospital level, when there's that brief interlude where you go back to the house and yeah, you go through the police there. tape, and not only is she not there, the chalk outline of her's yeah. on the floor. <laughs> yeah. You are just that that does that does ramp because the next level after that, and it's one of my favourite parts in the whole game, you assault the police station yeah. to get to the guy <laughs> who did it. Best song, best level, <laughs> like best plot beat as well. That you know the mm-hmm. guy that did this is in police custody and the only way in is well through through the police so yeah you'd pull up outside and the um the delorean the infamous hotline miami delorean <laughs> yeah. has got it says it whore written over the yeah. front of it as well and the yeah. doors hanging off and yeah you just pile in there kill everyone in there <laughs> find him realize that he's just as clueless as you are but up until that moment it's like this most righteous revenge mission <laughs> it's like and even though it's horrific and you're killing police officers who are doing their job and doing nothing it, the game did just enough to make you go like no <laughs> no yeah. this, this is what i have to do you know mm-hmm. it's it's and um yeah, it because it, we're going to get onto the gameplay soon, and yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. very easy to forget that like it does have a couple of like genuinely really solid story beats that make you go like, wow, mm-hmm. that's like yeah. there was care and attention gone into that. They could have just done none of it. Like yeah. no one would have cared. Hotline yeah. Miami would have been a great game, regardless of all the stuff that we've just talked to for the last hour or so. But <laughs> yeah. it, it, it part, does do it really well. Reason- Part of the reason it's so easy to to care for this one character in the entire game is that actually uh, she represents about the single good thing yeah. that the protagonist has actually done that that is almost objectively a, a positive influence that that character has had. Everything yeah. else by this point in the game, by that that sort of two thirds of the way point in the game, everything else actually is kind of a, ca- a house of cards about to come tumbling down around him mm-hmm. as as the player starts to realise that it's all just been a manipulation mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to potentially no end whatsoever, other than just to see if you can get people to do this stuff. But again, um, it has that beautiful, beautifully tragic thing about it. Is the second that. I noticed that she was doing things in the house and, you know, she was having her own little storyline. I was just like, you, she's doomed. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't mean that in a kind of like cliched storytelling way, but it, it is that thing. It is that kind of like, this was, ne- this was just not supposed to be mm-hmm. like as good yeah. as it was yeah. as, you know, as much of it, like the heroic act that it was that he was saving. And, you know, the, yeah. there's this like little pocket of hope there. It was oh, like yeah. this. Nah, this isn't the story for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this character does not deserve a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, that, and I think that's that. It's excellent that it, it it dangled that carrot of hope in front of you, and it was just like, <laughs> no, that's not how this is going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
my reading when you switch uh, protagonists mm. from a jacket to biker, I think is is the uh, yeah. the notation we're going to use. Um, my reading of it is that as as jacket, you believe you've killed biker. You've got that boss mm-hmm. scene where it, it's actually quite a, a potentially frustrating boss fight because yeah. it's literally only really one way you've got to get across the room. You've got to pick up the, the golf club, yeah. golf club, and then you've you've got to dodge what he's throwing at you and and just. I mean, throwing isn't the easiest thing to aim in the game, but mm. if you get too close to this guy, you're dead. You if, do realise you... that if you lock onto him, that boss fight is really easy. Yeah, well, that, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> you, if you don't realise that, it can be really frustrating. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, if you, if you lock on, it's it's uh, not too bad at all. But So my understanding of it is that basically at that point, Jacket died to Biker, but kind of convinced himself that he'd won the fight or imagined that he'd won the fight but basically lost mm. and then at that point biker's mm. story takes over mm-hmm. um am i wrong in that assumption is there any information that yeah I've, maybe I've missed there? i think that the um the jacket storyline has been said is canon i think right. okay i might yeah. be utterly wrong there, well, but no, I-, I think you're right because i think jacket's in the sequel yeah, I, be- I believe that um, okay. the, the jacket storyline is what is classed as as what actually happened, and and the events that went down in the in the um, the call center are either biker does die there, yeah. and mm-hmm. the the section with him is a completely it's an alternative timeline. So you could just you know for the player to kind of find out. What is going on what behind what the scenes? Because yeah, yeah, Biker okay. would—if he lived, he would have gone and found out I, what was going on. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, I couldn't uh, remember the timeline because I wondered, uh, and, and I, unfortunately, I didn't have the uh, the forethought to check whether everything that happens with Biker thereafter actually happened before that call center scene. But I think I'm right in saying the dates mean that it's it's kind of supposed to happen afterwards. But as you say, maybe alternate timeline, if you hadn't killed Biker there, mm-hmm. this is what he would have gone on and discovered. But yeah. Because you did, therefore the involvement of the janitors, I'll call them for want of a better phrase, mm-hmm. uh, they they never are uncovered. They're never right, killed yeah. by Biker. Yeah. And therefore they, they survive. And, yeah, and which makes on. sense makes more from sense, what yeah. I've heard about yeah. the sequel as well. Is like the, okay. the, the janitors being the... The direct, you know, the people who made the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, do, that yeah. doesn't sound like something that is to be carried over in the story. It is just like a weird kind of like, oh, messing with the player, kind of <laughs> trying to draw them into this like weird thought process. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I might be wrong, cool. but that again, like, how many games can you even have this discussion about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, the ending, ostensibly, once you've uh, taken over as as biker and uh, gone around and completed a bunch of other missions, basically tracking down who it is that is calling all these people and leaving these messages and basically tricking them into or forcing them into doing these horrific acts of uh, wanton violence and murder. Um, you you hunt down to uh, this, this sort of deserted building, no one there, so you're immediately set up, well, this isn't the usual level. You walk in and... There's a computer you can interact with, or you can just go straight down uh, a sewer, a manhole into the sewer, uh, and and speak to the um, the two janitors that are in there, who it turns out are uh, Cactus and uh, Dennis, the the two designers of the game. And basically, there's one of two ways this can go. If you've collected all the puzzle pieces, you can put the password, which uh, Andy helpfully told us all <laughs> at the beginning of this episode, in case you're not sure. Um, 
and and you can put that into the computer and at that point you've hacked their system and you can confront them about it otherwise they'll just deny all knowledge and you don't get to know what happened mm. um but if if you have hacked the computer they will then spill the beans on what's been going on um which is bizarre on so many levels because it breaks the fourth wall but actually even if it didn't even if they weren't the designers and these were just the two janitors who were doing this whole thing it's still bizarre um how did you guys find the ending? Did you find the hidden ending uh, at all? Yeah, um, it's it's obviously like very strange. It breaks the fourth. I I, I actually found the ending before I found uh, the password, all the little puzzle pieces, hmm. and I just thought it was brilliant that like you've done just done all this insane violence and mm-hmm. had this really intense experience. You as a gamer, where there was levels yeah. where you were holding your breath for the entirety of them and stuff, <laughs> and. <laughs> The first time through Hotline Miami is always an absolute mess. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, you, know yeah. you have to refine these things. But um, yes, yeah, so you've made it to the end, and they just they just dismiss you. You think finally yeah. the truth, and they're just like, <laughs> "What truth?" <Yeah. laughs> and um, I, just, I actually, for a while, I thought that was the ending, and I thought that is amazing <laughs> that they've just completely dismissed you. Um, and then obviously you find out the real thing, and isn't it? I mean, I can't remember. It's some weird thing about them like trying to keep the Cold War going or something, mm. and. It's some Basically, kind of like deep yeah. government conspiracy to <laughs> to keep the Russian mafia on on edge and in 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 comp- yeah. So these two guys are the masterminds behind this scheme to basically control Russo-American relationships. Yeah. So the Russian mob in America is being manipulated and controlled to keep the whole Cold War in balance, as it were, uh, by these two guys. And what they say basically is the key to what they're doing and why they're doing it, or how they're doing it rather, um, is that they understand how to force people's hands to make them do what they want them to do. Mm-hmm. So th- you've, you've seen at various other points, particularly when you go into the police station and after this guy, and you realise that he's as much at the mercy of whoever is organising this as anyone else, is that they yeah. are subtly putting pressure on people and and on the things they care about to force them to do these Mm. acts of violence and they are manipulating these people into into basically doing their bidding Um, and if you hack their system basically you shut it down and and then you can well kill them um, basically and Mm. and in theory stop what's going on I think the um, ending for Jacket is far more interesting yeah, I was like, going to say uh, the ironic thing here is that the the true ending is the more silly one than the jacket yeah. ending, which is <laughs> just kind of fits yeah. more in tone with the game. Where there's there it's them laughing at you for enjoying what you just went through, <laughs> basically, yeah. which is the tone yeah. of the whole story. So yeah, I just love that bit in Jacket's ending when he goes onto the the balcony and just lights up a cigarette, a cigarette and looks yeah. up look yeah looks up a, a polaroid and yeah. then just chucks off the balcony. Right. What's on that polaroid? We'll never know. I mean, you can <laughs> assume it's the um, it's uh, the prostitute, but yeah. like that, it, or, it's just like a really these, cool uh, private moment with this character. To... Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's really yeah, smart. Yeah, it, it could be whatever is is you know if it was someone being held captive to manipulate him into doing all this stuff. He's you know the theory then is either this is something he's attached to and he's letting go of, mm. uh, and he's. Is that because he realizes he needs to be free of what he's doing, or is it because he realizes, yeah, he actually does enjoy what he's doing, which is a horrifying notion yeah. to to get to the end of the game uh, or you know the end of his story and actually have the result being, do you enjoy all this violence? The mm. answer being potentially from Jacket, yes. Mm. You know, it's terrifying. I like how dismissive the 
the creators seem to be of people's attempt to try and unpick their story, though, because they have mm-hmm. obviously put a lot of time and thought into it. But the fact that you know, the standard ending, or well, the standard biker ending, is for them basically to the, the the creators to mock you and say, you know, you know, why are you trying to find a yeah. reason to sort of justify what you're doing? Yeah. And yeah. I hadn't actually played the secret ending myself, but then I was sort of reading up about it, and yeah. it was described as how you get this spiel about you know we are trying to keep the cold war going blah 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 but mm-hmm. then the protagonist turns around and sort of dismisses all that as just you know extraneous detail yeah um, <laughs> yeah. yeah which i think yeah, is great definitely. i mean it's great. they've obviously put time and thought and effort into this but <clears throat> mm. the fact that they just at the end will turn around and say no nah, just enjoy it for what it is you know yeah i mean it's yeah. great really, yeah, really sort of brave and but also kind of Again, in keeping with the kind of very nihilistic tone, I think of the mm-hmm. of the whole, yeah. of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it's probably worth saying that when I sat down today to write some notes on this, I got a page of sort of high high points of the game stuff I wanted to discuss, and then two pages of of me trying some pseudo philosophical nonsense about violence in games and mm. films and that kind of stuff. And actually, when push comes to shove, you can almost take it any way you like, mm-hmm. um, because yeah, there there is an undertone in this game of a certain amount of glamorization of the violence, and that mm-hmm. will undoubtedly be uncomfortable for some people. And I know a couple of the three word reviews we got. Um, um, were actually people highlighting the fact that the game wasn't for them because of the, the violence, violence yeah. and the style of violence that was in it, which is absolutely obviously fair enough. I find, uh, and the same with films, I watched The Raid 2 the other week, uh, my, my other half and, and I found some of the violence that's in that very, very shocking. But I think there are cases where such extreme, it doesn't have to be violence, but extremes of human nature shown mm. in artistic or entertainment uh, mediums can be incredibly demonstrative, not necessarily of just, in this case, violence, but it can help uh, sharpen and focus as to other aspects of human nature as well. Mm. To some people, there's no more to it, but I think there is an awful lot more to it uh, than, than that. Yeah, I mean the the one actually well, actually one check that we didn't mention was the um the check that plays after every single level after you finish killing everybody yeah. else. There's just that long droney note that's that's meant mm. to make you sit there like as you, and you have to walk all the way back out after you've killed all these people and, and you have mm. to see exactly yeah. see what yeah, all you yeah, did yeah. and it's it's meant there sit there to make you think like Jesus, I really did just enjoy running through getting combos like kill combos you know mm. like making all this blood splatter everywhere and it's it's totally yeah. always meant to make you think about how much you're actually enjoying this game yeah yeah the juxtaposition there where it says you know stage clear or yeah. in, in in that case you know complete or what i think it's stage clear for each floor isn't it yeah. but then yeah um there is a, a a certain amount of euphoria the same as you would get yeah. at the end of a level totally. of peggle when the music kicks in <laughs> yeah. there is that sense of euphoria and and then you yeah before you get your score before you get your judgment on how you performed mm. get your judgment on your character <laughs> yeah you have to walk walk back out yeah it's mm. um yeah yeah, and it's very yeah. specific about that, isn't it? Because I remember playing the game before release, and as I say there was a few different things to the music, um, mm. and uh, the scoring system was quite different as well. So I, I remember from that the first level I finished on that game, when I, you know you die a lot more the first time through, and you basically just, you're edging through rooms, you're not running <laughs> around like a maniac building yeah. up combos, mm. and yeah, just that it felt really jarring at first having like the game's all about these quick restarts and getting you right back in the action but then mm. to leave the level you literally have to walk all the way back mm. through the thing and yeah i mean we've already mentioned it it's by design it is just to get you to go back through the scene you know and mm. 
you know to see what has yeah. been done and um well yeah carnage is usually the answer um <laughs> yeah yeah definitely all right um we, we've danced around the gameplay long enough but i think it's actually time that we talked about what is you know it's definitely in unison it's in concert with everything else that we've talked about in terms of narrative tone mood uh music and visuals all that kind of stuff um but the, it, it wouldn't be the game it is without the gameplay um Top-down brawler was the best way I could think of to describe it. Um, the easiest uh, way to describe it for anyone who hasn't played the game, uh, and well done for listening, uh, if that's the case. <laughs> um, <laughs> the easiest way for me to describe it is the moments in the original Grand Theft Auto where you get out of a car. Mm. There's the, the only time you're in a car is when you pull up to the level, you then step out of it, you're not driving anywhere. But those moments when you're out, um, that's the most similar... Uh, similar thing I could I could bring to mind to kind of describe mm-hmm. the gameplay um, there is a certain amount of, well a, a, quite a lot of amount yeah. of, of uh, a twin a stick shooter aspect to it but yeah. and it's very very quick yeah mm. um, are, are there any other games that that you guys think of when, when you think of uh, Hotline Miami's gameplay that might be useful touchstones I'd like to throw in the club do you remember the it was a, a, yeah, a the, Sega the, game that was meant yeah. to be a, a kind of a racing Cross with a first-person shooter where a lot you of people would... brought it up in reference to Bulletstorm when that came out. Yeah, uh, yeah, as, as yeah a kind but of score score-based shooter. That's true. Yeah, but it, for for me, I, I mean, I did enjoy the bit I did play of the club, but I find mm. this to be that that you know, if you got the lap wrong once on that, you were kind of a bit bored and you're a bit stuck, and it was very slow paced. But this is it feels mm. the same to me in that you're trying to plot a route mm. uh, through. Uh, it's like you're trying to plot a good racing line through a level. Yeah. And you got to hit the checkpoints along the way, which are the, you know, the, the guys, you know, take them out as quickly as you can and figure mm-hmm. out yeah. how to keep that combo going. Yeah, obviously the the clubs are very like very similar game to Hotline Miami, but the game which I find myself always going back to whenever I'm explaining sort of high level play to people is mm. Tony Hawk. Right. Um, okay. It's it's about finding that line to build that combo up. Yeah. yeah. And um, and yeah. I find that yeah the Tony Hawk games are the most. Like that to me. That's that. When, when I, when I, yeah, aspect, I yeah. recently went back to playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater, the original. Um, I've got an um, Xperia Play, and it's brilliant for PlayStation One emulation when you're on the train to mm. work. And um, some of the later games added a little bit too much, but Tony Hawk Pro Skater One is very much these like five minute runs. Mm. And um, I just played one, did got my score, tried again, did my score, tried again, and um, yeah, I find it, it, it when I play Hotline Miami because I. Play it to that. I play it to score chase now. I've I've seen the plot. I've seen yeah, all the way yeah, through. Yeah. This is why I play it now. And yeah, I find I find myself playing it in a very similar way to like classic Tony Hawk. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely understand that uh, that that particular comparison. Um, so for with with the conversation, you're absolutely right. First time I go through each level, I'm not even thinking about how to chain these skills together. It's just right, clear the floor, move on to the next one. Um, so you 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 see a level, you can. You can see usually most of it, certainly like a quarter of each each floor that you're on on screen at any one time, um, and you've got a bunch of enemies set up discreetly in rooms uh, around each floor. Um, and so obviously, it's just a case of clearing the floor of enemies. That's as simple as the the objective, uh, or as complex as the objective needs to be. Um, 
So so you can literally just go room to room, clear them out. It doesn't matter how quickly you do it. doesn't matter how you set up your, your kills or um, or how many times you die in between. But yeah, once I'd done that, going back through and trying to get those top ratings uh, is incredibly addictive, is the, is the only <laughs> way to describe it. It's compulsive, uh, and especially when you've got a leaderboard like that. Um, the one thing I will say is, so first time through a level, I'll... And I did it again today. I haven't played the game uh, in about a year until just recently. I started replaying it for the um, for the podcast. Um, and what I found was, uh, first time through a level, I'll I'll die a bunch of times depending upon the level, and I'll generally get a rating of like B. But once you want to try and get an A plus rating, you've got you can't pause for any nope. second because usually <laughs> I'll clear a room, pause outside. <laughs> take a look at the next room and think, right, that's the room I'm going for. I'll wait for this guy to come round to the door and I'll knock him over. And it, it, You get into a rhythm of, okay, easiest way to clear a room. Make sure you knock someone out as you go through the yep. through the door mm. and make sure you've got locked on the next guy in the room to take him out. Um, <laughs> locked on. <laughs> locked on. <laughs> that, um, yeah, yeah, that... Um that's the easiest way to save time is just like get good at not locking on. And not locking on, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and, and that's, you. and again, commenter mentioned it on, on the forums. We'll talk about that in a second or in, in, a, in a little while when we look at uh, forum contributions. But you do start to find sort of easy ways to just survive and clear a floor. Mm. But when you want to start getting A-plus ratings, when you want to get up the leaderboard, that combo that you see come up two times oh that's nice no not good enough <laughs> no <laughs> nearly good enough no 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 <laughs> must try harder and that's why there's trophies for 12 times combos on most floors there aren't 12 guys so you have to be yeah. on top of your game to make sure you're literally comboing one kill into the next all the way around the floor yeah um, and insanely difficult to do mm-hmm. yeah. Does uh, it, the, yeah the the progress that um I've seen. I've I've sort of charted it uh, as I've played Hotline Miami, and I've, I've spoke to a few people who have you know, come into the game. And um, right, flying my own flag, I'm quite good at this game. <laughs> and um, like uh, my first goal in Hotline Miami was to finish it. And yeah, as you mentioned, you die a lot, but you scrape through, and you enjoy the story, and you enjoy the aesthetic, and all the violence, and playing around with the fun weapons like the frying pan and the hot water and stuff yeah. like that and doing all <laughs> yeah. the stuff that you just wouldn't do if you're trying to get really really high school um, but you get through it and it's great and then you start getting good at it which is basically comboing mm-hmm. the entire floor um, where you, you'll pick something like the Tony mask which is the tiger and he has a knife and if you if you get quick with the knife and the mouse um, you can just rush around a floor chuck the knife every now and again when you need to and kill everyone on the floor and then you realise well that went well but I'm still <laughs> not getting these scores so then yeah. you realise that um, it's about the combo uh, mm-hmm. so you'll jump to the Zack mask which is the frog because what he does is he extends the combo window mm-hmm. so then you start comboing the floors with ease and then you realise mm-hmm. well hang on a minute surely the big point is comboing up the floor and continuing <laughs> your combo on up two floors. So there's a few levels um, towards the start. Decadence is a really good one for it. Mm-hmm. Um, which level four, I think, level four or five. And um, there's an, there's a couple of enemies right next to the, sto- the stairs, so you can kill them last and then go up and then 
start the, the combo. There, there's a yeah, there's an enemy pretty near the top of the yeah, stairs. Yeah, yeah. Standing on his own next to the cool table. Yeah, and if and if you you're not quick enough, and you could just die and keep trying at the start because yeah, yeah. your progress from the floor below continues. And then once you've sussed that out, you start getting really really good stuff. But there's some levels where it's not quite like that, and that's when the really advanced play comes in, which is when <laughs> you're running past enemies. Mm. because you need to kill yeah. them later yeah. and that's when the Tony Hawk thing comes into it and that's when um, the, most enemies stay in the same place but there's a slight bit of randomization every mm-hmm. time be it mm-hmm. like a weapon change or a slight position change of an enemy so sometimes you need a bit of a roll of the dice to get through Definitely. but yeah. for the most part you can then start learning it and you, you, you can almost have it timed so you know that if I kill all these people at the right time when I, by the time I get to this door that enemy will be in front of it. <laughs> so yeah. when I open the door, I'm going to knock him down. And um, once you've sussed that out, <laughs> this is when it gets really interesting because then you've got to start factoring in other aspects such as boldness. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. means exposing an exposure, which yeah. means obviously <laughs> running out and picking up weapons in the open and stuff. And then things like, well, if I kill this guy, I get X amount of points and build my combo. But if I knock him down first, right. and then I get him. points yeah. for the knockdown, so I could possibly come back to him later. And that's when the that's when it starts getting really, really deep. And that's when um, you start likening it to some of the better score attack games that there are out there. And I would say, with the exception of the Zack Mask, because it um it extends your combo meter uh, so it, it gives you a little bit more freedom to do these ridiculous things like mm-hmm. comboing up the sto- up the stairs and planning better routes and stuff and it gives you a little chance to do some of these things on instinct because it's a bit more forgiving with the timing mm-hmm. but you don't have to do that you don't have to have the zap mask to do a lot of the stuff I just said you can do mm-hmm. it with the chicken mask in fact some of the highest scores in the game are yeah, using the generic so. mask which is agonizing to look at but um, <laughs> what, what that means is like a lot of people compare this game to Grand Theft Auto and uh, Hitman obviously is another yeah. touch point yeah. but uh, even though they're actually nothing like it in terms of how they look and the aesthetics in them but I actually compare it to things like Bayonetta and God Hand and even yeah. something like Street Fighter 4 uh, or Ikaruga where they're games where from the word go with no levelling up, with no extra things, you have everything you need to be able to take on the greatest challenge in that game, be it a last boss mm-hmm. or you know a really, really hard track or whatever. Yep. Yeah. You can do that from the word go. Levelling up and getting in Hotline Miami the different masks or specific weapons, weapons yeah. they just let you get away with more mistakes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you don't need them. From well, I mean, it, it explicitly in terms of the the mask that allows you to take a bullet. Basically, you yeah. know, the first yeah. bullet won't kill you; the second one will. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Is like that's that's the that's for me the beauty of Hotline Miami. It's 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 so pure hmm. that like yeah. there's you can see the clear progression in how you get better at it, and yeah. all of the extra stuff. It's all frill. It's all it's all toppings. You know, it's it's not necessary yeah. at all. You can play the game with the chicken mask on any level in the game and be the best player in the world yeah. at it. Well, in that respect, um, similar to, and get your Kane and Rince buzzers out here, uh, Super Meat Boy, in the fact that yes, in very theory, similar. there is no difference in the skill, the, the uh, mechanics you have available to you for the last level from the first. Mm. What's changed is your ability to you use better. those yeah. skills and understand them better and to exploit those mechanics properly. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that's, that's why it's, it's frankly 
boggling to see the scores rack up at the end and think, but I did that first time through pretty quickly. For me, that's not very quickly at all, but you know, by my standards, and yet I'm still only getting like an A minus, and you're mm. thinking, what's going on? <laughs> but um, that's another thing which I love about it is like the the advanced scoring stuff such as exposure mm-hmm. and um the boldness mm-hmm. like you need like like the best way to explain this is um yeah i'm my my current goal in hotline miami is to try and break the top 100 on every level i've topped my le- sco- my friend's leaderboards and that was a fun challenge but this is my next challenge in fact sean it's worth yeah. mentioning that you've still got me on a couple of the levels yeah, but, adding, but i'm not kidding adding you to my um psn friends list uh. was like earlier this year was one of the best moves i've ever made because it gave hot like, i had i'd done i'd finished with hotline miami I'd, I'd put it to rest and when i added you on my friends i was just playing it on the way to work on the off chance and i connected to the internet on my vita and looked at the high scoreboards and i was like Oh my God! Someone's better than me, and it like I, I, it just triggered an obsession again, which still hasn't quite ended. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely love doing that. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm trying to get into the top 100, and there's there is a point when you're scoring scores like you and I, and um, mm. in fact, I've had to do this to beat some of the scores that you'd already set. Like you have, you can probably admit this if you want to fly your own flag a little bit here, <laughs> that you've pretty much the levels where you're the top scorer and you've pretty much mastered them to a degree you know you can yeah. cut around them and combo them mm-hmm. so can I so I have to start <laughs> finding different things yeah and that's when like boldness and exposure come to yeah. and those two parameters the only way you can get them is by playing like a lunatic <laughs> <laughs> like you, you you can't sit in a corner Mm-hmm. And tactically take out a couple of enemies with a pistol, silenced pistol, no, to yeah. get those scores. And then you've got to start. Che- you can't just run around with the same weapon. You like nope, you see another weapon on the floor. Say, yeah. You've got to well, pick yeah, up another weapon. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, having you know just adding someone to my friends list who who was that little bit better than me on the scores <laughs> made me go right. Well, hang on a minute. I thought I knew everything about these levels. I was, I was. I, I can combo every enemy in the level. This is easy, you know. And but no, there's 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 subtlety to the scoring system, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's what takes like a, a a great game and turns it into one of the best score attack games of all time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like that is that's the edge. Is like you've you've got all this potential to learn, but then when you do finally make it to the high level. Like the the mastery of it will never come. There'll always be this incremental thing. Some of them you might just fluke because of the slightly random right. nature of the yeah. levels, but yeah. that's when it starts getting really intense. Does the control scheme matter much as to what kind of score you get? I mean, is mouse and keys better versus gamepad or Vita? No. Or? Funny you I, should say I, that. I happen to know that Andy was an absolute staunch advocate of mouse and keys right. and thought it on a Vita would be the worst thing ever, but I, I wonder if that's changed. My best scores are on the Vita. (laughs) So, yeah, I finished Hotline Miami first on the PC, and by finished, I mean I have every Steam achievement. Slight note, the Steam achievements were bugged at launch. Um, Obviously, I knew what I was Mm. doing for most of the game, so I caned through it, and uh, I had every achievement done, but the the achievement for getting everything didn't pop until a year later. (laughs) So if you actually look, like... I got I got them all in like the week after launch. So you're looking at the times on them all, and then it's like yeah, the the achievement for actually finishing it all off was done like because it it just didn't work, and then obviously yeah, I yeah, uninstalled totally it. it yeah. But um, yeah, one of the things that um, the mouse and keyboard gives you is obviously when you're looking around using the the firearms, uh, you yeah. can it's a bit easier to sort of like look at uh, distant targets and stuff and plan your route. Yeah. Mm. 
and I thought that was essential and it, it, it probably still is first time through so I am sort of thinking Hotline Miami 2 maybe go for the PC first time round but when I actually finally came to play it on the Vita I wasn't a big fan of the controls at first but I knew the levels so well that I wasn't <laughs> fighting against the level and the controls at the same yeah. time yeah. it was like right well I know what to do here so I've mm-hmm. just got to get used to the controls and yeah once I got used to the controls and again part of it is because I play it on the mm-hmm. computer work mm-hmm. there's a fair bit of time mm. to dedicate to it there I, I got better using the mm. control there uh, the yeah. Vita controls yeah 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 so they're good, I, basically. I think, brilliant. No, nice work, Vita yeah. people, what they called them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> abstraction. Uh, yeah. abstraction. Abstraction, yeah, brilliant. Because yeah. I, I thought it was doomed. Like, just from playing it before launch, and when I went, the second I heard there was going to be a console version, I was like, really? <laughs> like, no. But, and that's the interesting thing is, uh, and I think it's the same with Mouse and Keys, to be fair, when you first pick the game up, it, it seems like a twin-stick shooter, which doesn't sound like it would work on mouse and keys, but the advantage that I found you had was in, it feels more natural to to be able to look further and lock on mm-hmm. if you've got extra customizable keys to be able to do it with, or buttons on the mouse. Yeah. Um, but as you said, Andy, once you get to the point where you know where the enemies are, why are you locking on? That's wasted yeah. time. Yeah. Arguably, why are you even looking yeah. further than you can currently see? That is, That's wasted yeah. time. That is, that is. It's really <laughs> difficult to look in a certain direction further than you currently are and also move at the same time without messing up your perspective on the level too much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can absolutely see why that be the case. That said, again, when you pick up a controller for the first time, it's a bit like playing Binding of Isaac with a controller. If you map it, because the original Binding of Isaac obviously is made for four-way directional keys, you can't really move or shoot diagonally. Mm. You certainly can't shoot diagonally. So playing it on a controller feels really, really weird in that you can kind of like almost curve your shots in Binding of Isaac by being mm. a bit canny with it, but you can't. Re- you don't. It's not really a twin stick shooter because it's made for a keyboard, and that's I think the aspect of of uh, Hotline Miami that makes it seem weird to try and play it on a controller. Is it? It seems like it ought to be a twin stick shooter, but it's kind of been designed for PC mouse and keys first, and then made to work, but. And I, I've heard people say about Dark Souls that the controls are a bit iffy. Uh, I take issue with that, but that's a different story. Here, I think if you pick the game up, it's going to seem incredibly loose um, because it's so fast and because the controls aren't necessarily intuitive. Mm. So there is that that first time through the game is basically just learning the controls and in no way are you going to master anything close to the controls. And mm. I say that as someone who... You know, I played through Decadence today. I still died a absolute ton on that level, <laughs> just because I do. Because um, I tr- I bite off more than I can chew, basically, or I muck up a control and throw something instead of you know hitting someone with it. Um, but nonetheless, that level is probably my favourite in the game because it's the first one where you're actually required to properly plan and mm. decisively execute. Because you've got three people in a room, two people in a room, get one of them close to you, move over to the one that's far away, or you can get them both in one swipe. But um, that first room where you've got one guy stood in the middle and two guys circling around on the left-hand side of uh, the bottom floor on Decadence. Sorry if this is too specific for everyone. Um, 
that's really difficult because the two guys circling have both got guns so you can run in and get the guy in the middle but the other two have already got you so that's the first point in the game where you really have to start understanding what the rest of the game is going to be about and paying attention to your surroundings um, so I love that but I'm still horrible at it um, <laughs> and it, it's because it takes practice Andy as you've said what makes it a great Vita game is that on your commute and Brian you mentioned as well you can actually plough through a level so many times that it does become all about muscle memory and those mm. controls are just no longer an issue mm. because you will naturally start to uh, just attune yourself to them really really well yeah yes like it, I mean part of what uh, makes the whole everything like the controls and the the gameplay and everything come together is the its approach to death um, yeah. which is basically a bit of a non-event um, it's everything because if you die you have to do that whole floor again which especially first time through is like can be agonizing um but it, it's nothing like it's like that instant the music doesn't even stop it carries on you back at the start straight away now um obviously this means that they can do certain things with the difficulty that a lot of games can't um, unless it's Dark Souls, but um, <laughs> you know, like th- th- there are certain parts where, like, it is teaching you to do some really. I mean, especially like that police station level I talked about earlier, where almost everyone's armed; they will have yeah, guns, yeah. so that's very difficult to get started on that level. And um, yeah, so they, they they can do these like big difficulty spikes because they know that, like, well, if you die, you, you're going to lose maybe a minute, two minutes tops, and that's yeah, that's like yeah. the absolute top. Um, but it also does something to you psychologically. Um, first of all, when you're playing it through the first time and you're, you know, you're learning the game, it, it takes away a certain, like, like a barrier to enjoyment. Like you're yeah. gonna get in and enjoy this really difficult game at times, and because well, if you die, keep trying. Um, yeah. Yeah. At high level play because death is basically like shrug I'll try again it, it's encouraging you it's going well, it doesn't matter go on try yeah, that yeah. Try, yeah. try chucking that fire axe the length of the room at that guy you know like <laughs> it is you know it, it, it's yeah. it's almost it's almost encouraging you to play it how Jacket is in the game Jacket's a lunatic he kicks down <laughs> doors and does all that stuff we said at the start where he kills three guys in the space of two seconds in a room yeah, yeah. like I mean, if you if you had to do that, if you were in the same situation as Jacket, don't worry, I'm not going to call the police after this podcast or anything, guys. So you can be honest <laughs> with me. But like, if you're in the same position as Jacket, and it was like you got to kill these guys in that room, if you knew in the back of your mind, well, if I die, I just start go get another crack at it. <laughs> yeah. Like you're going to yeah. try all sorts of stuff, going in through the window, yeah. like you know. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think that that like the the approach to death in the game, which is yeah. you know. It, there's just enough punishment to make you not want it to do, you know, to do it, but it's it's lenient enough to keep you going. Um, yeah. I think that's the core of the game because the gameplay is great. But if you had to wait two minutes to load the level every time you died, oh, yeah. Yeah, it'd be yeah. a bust. Yeah. And the yeah. music and the look are is, is amazing. But again, if if the game you know looked better and had to reset the enemies every time, then yeah. it, it, again it would be a complete bust. Yeah. So death is the most important part of Hotline Miami because it, it ties because everything of how together. How important it is, yeah. actually, and not, yeah. and not just yeah. that. I mean, what are you doing? You're a killing machine. Death's everywhere. The whole game is about death. <laughs> death, death, yeah. death, death. Like the whole time, death. That's yeah. that's what Hotline Miami is about. That's its absolute core in in every conceivable way. Yeah. 
but but as you say, it also reinforces the notion of the game as not really a puzzle game, but it's got elements of that. Um, but certainly a score attack. You know, it's it's just no boom try again try again try again eventually mm-hmm. get it and that's what makes it important the first time you go through because likewise if something doesn't work try again you might get a different weapon you might get yeah. that samurai sword you really wanted mm. i always do want because it's a great weapon <laughs> but um you might get a different weapon there might just be a slight different uh path for one of the enemies that just helps you out that little bit and when you're in that learning phase of the game everything can every little barrier can seem insurmountable if the rest of the game isn't going your way. So not having that there, again, Super Meat Boy we've mentioned before, but mm-hmm. the, the the really important thing if you've got a hard game is to not then put other obstacles in the way of a player uh, dealing with that difficulty and, and learning how to manage it. So yeah, having having death be simultaneously really significant but not at all remotely important is uh, is, is actually yeah really important. Stroke of genius. So, speaking of Samurai Sword being my favourite weapon, because, and <laughs> I understand how this sounds, but there is a really nice animation where you chop an enemy in half with it. Um, <laughs> how do we feel about weapons? Obviously, <clears throat> I guess, two main classes, really, uh, melee weapons and guns. Mm-hmm. Um, you can throw any weapon in the game, but obviously the melee weapons make more sense to throw. Knife specifically makes more sense because it will actually kill. Uh, Ryan, just or down, do but. they? <laughs> this is the thing. Is like yes, it does mean if you find the throwing star or the dart or the um the pair of scissors ah and chuck them at someone, um it's pretty bad. But like in terms of score, you're better off chucking a gun at them because they don't die and you get the points for the knockdown yeah, the points and, then, down, and yeah. then you pick up the pair of scissors and stick it in their eye socket and then um, <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's the way I do it so yeah I, I see what you mean like I mean if you're playing through the game that first time and you're just that's trying to survive time, yeah. then just absolutely the, yeah, yeah it, there's so much scope but again that's just another another layer to the the whole mm-hmm. the whole yeah, thing yeah. about Hotline Miami. Yeah, that's why I like the pool cue a lot, which is oh, yeah. it's, it's, it <laughs> randomly shows up, or not randomly, but it's um, but you can use that as like you hit it one guy with it and it'll break in half, and then you can throw that at someone else. So it just you don't have to pick anything else up. So stuff like that's re- really clever. Yeah, have you done the um, the down the you know if you knock them on the floor, you can do like a downwards attack. Oh which yeah, if you haven't got a, it in their face. if you haven't got a weapon, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you um, yeah, you smash their head into the floor until it pops open. But yeah, if you do that with the broken end of the pool, yeah. you just jabs it into their right. face and just <laughs> so nasty. twists yeah. it basically yeah. until they stop struggling. <laughs> um, it's vile. Uh, yeah, the 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 pan and water is mm-hmm. a good one for yep. that as well because mm. um, yeah you can clock them with the pan mm-hmm. and then if you've still got it with the water in it like you haven't thrown it Pours you can it on their tip face. it on their face <laughs> yeah, and kill them that way as well which is again absolutely horrific yeah. like there's, there's some really really nasty stuff in it um, I think it makes sense to um, to move on in terms of chapters and bosses uh, I really just wanted to see if there were any particular standouts that we wanted to talk about in terms of chapters and how we felt about the boss fights basically decadence um, decadence <clears throat> it's always decadence it's the it's the absolute it's the best design level one of the best design levels yeah. in anything like i put that up with like master levels like um like some of the stuff from like the original eight levels of doom you know yeah. um yeah. i put i put it right up there with like some of the absolute best maps best design maps and anything yeah. because it, it it is the level that it's the, I think it's the first level that really tests your ability yeah, if you're playing yeah, it through the first time because there's enemies with guns some of them are quite like they're sat on seats 
which yeah, means yeah. they're quite mm-hmm. far away from the door, which means if they've got a gun, you need to find a way to break that range. So it's um, yeah. there's sometimes a lot of like door trickery. So you'll pop in yeah. and come out or chucking weapons. So it, it's starting mm-hmm. to encourage you to use more advanced techniques. But it's also the first level where I comboed floor one and then floor two. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it's also the level where I first went, hang on a minute, <laughs> I can go up the floor because there's a guy in the room by the stairs on both floors. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I think like... Again, again, I'd I'd love to I'd love to know if that was like absolutely intentional. That they were thinking about it on all these different levels, that like from a beginner and intermediate, and yeah, yeah mm-hmm. a beginner, intermediate, and an um, and an advanced player, like and yeah. the way that that level is like a, the perfect training ground for it. You know, get the first few levels out the way, and then really start testing in there. But that that is a like a, a perfectly designed level and also like the different mm-hmm. the slight difference in like the weapon drops and stuff that yeah, they change every yeah. time they're all they mm-hmm. all offer just an ever so slight bit of variance that's quite exciting it's it's really really good i i can't remember the name of it but i i like most of the levels but there's one level that i i didn't really care for which is where um when you get to the top floor you clear out most of it and then the cops break in oh yeah yeah yeah. you know what i'm talking about and then there's like the the light the sniper light going through the windows and that kind of like i I, i'm okay with it now but the first time playing it that that, like it was felt a little bit too unfair to kind of change the rules right at the end of the level to where first you have to dodge this light then you go downstairs and there's the cops that you can't kill for some reason or i haven't found a way to kill them so you you can knock them over um, yeah, you got to stealth your way basically out of that f- yeah. bottom floor, and that that kind of threw me off. But and I know a lot of people have trouble with the um, hospital level, which I didn't find too bad. But I totally understand why people yeah. get a little yeah. miffed about that one. Sean, what you were saying about changing the rules a bit—the first mm. boss fight you have, where you're yeah, in the level yeah. where you're rescuing the um, the the uh, prostitute who's who's obviously in that locked room. You, f- you first see her there when you're coming through the ground floor, and then mm-hmm. you clear upstairs, come back down, and and obviously the the kind of boss comes out and he's got a bulletproof vest on, um, mm-hmm. and suddenly you're not allowed to just pick up any weapon. Right, or, or yeah, you can, sure, gun. but it, it's not going to work for you. Any melee mm. weapon, no, flattens you, not a chance. Mm. Uh, even the automatic rifle, it's not going to knock him down. It needs right, to be a yeah. shotgun, shotgun. Uh, shot, yeah. and it has to be, I think it's three or four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, two. To, uh, is I it two? I, I'm sure today you got up after the second one. Oh, right. I, I had the, you know, because you've got like the hunting rifle that's got two shots, and then the shotgun that's got. Uh, six, the, the assault yeah. shotgun. Um, I think it's two with the sawed off. If it's the six round shotgun, then it's uh, it's more than two because certainly you got up. Um, and obviously, if you're not sure what's going on, you can repeat that 20, 30 times and not yeah, really not get what's what going is on. going on. Well, there on. is an arrow there over every gun. at the guns. Um, <laughs> but, but again, like, you shoot him and then you go over to try and, because he's knocked down, to try and put him out and realize that no, he stood up and killed you. So it does change the rules. And mm. in some ways, I really like the fact they don't necessarily explain that to you. You have to mm. learn the hard way. Uh, yeah. But in, in other ways, I can see why that would be frustrating. And similarly to the hospital level, yeah. why changing the rules there of what's going on in the level, it makes sense narratively, but I, I can see why it would be frustrating. And I think the hospital level is mm. one of the ones often cited as kind of yeah. a weak area. Potentially. Yeah. The other one as well is the, the bit we've just talked about with the police breaking at the top. The, the changing of the rules is a, a bit yeah. more of a pain in the backside as well when you're trying to do uh, score stuff because yeah, it is yeah. like all oh, right because that, that that level especially like the enemies ju- the the police breaking just happens like yeah, it, it's it, out of nowhere yeah. it's a, yeah it's 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 a timed event you can just stand mm-hmm. 
and like eventually yeah, that happens out, yeah. yeah um but obviously that's fine if you're playing the game through but if you're trying to get the high scores mm-hmm, if you don't yeah. kill the last guy in the in the in the f- furthest away room mm-hmm. with you know before the police break in well it's going to be a nightmare, to, yeah, nightmare and and getting and, out yeah, yeah. so uh, and, and it's it's just an annoying thing to like have to deal with at that point mm-hmm. but in terms of the st- the plot i thought it was quite cool it was a cool little event yeah. but yeah. um yeah w- when you break the game down to kind of what i enjoy it for most mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it sucks yeah. it, it'd be cool if like the second time you played it, it you could just turn off stuff like that and just treat it almost mm-hmm. as a Regular score attack too. game, yeah. but not to be. Yeah, I think that's why I had trouble with a few of them. Certainly, um, first time through, it's just it, <clears throat> certainly the last boss as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I spent a good few times just trying to figure yeah, out what yeah, the hell absolutely. was going on, yeah. and it was the first time I actually sort of gave up on a level and thought oh, I'll come back to that. Another yeah, day. it's more of a yeah. puzzle mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, like you're like, oh, because yeah. right, you've got limited resources. It's not like mm-hmm. again, yeah. it's completely at odds with what you're taught in the game, which is kind of think on your feet and do this stuff. Right. It's just like yeah. right, this is how you do it. You've got to yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And um, again, like I know some people who hate the bosses in Hotline Miami and like, and absolutely slam the game because of them. But I'm like, look, they're completely inoffensive. It's 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 quite an extreme reaction to like completely write off one of the best yeah. score attack games of all time based on like three pretty rough parts that really don't have much bearing on the best bits of it so um, aside from anything we're going to uh, give in our in our summaries uh, that kind of wraps up what we have to say on uh, on Hotline Miami 2 um, we do however have uh, quite a bit of feedback from the forums and some three word reviews so uh, Sean if you'd like to kick us mm. off with community feedback uh, on that we, we got on the Hotline Miami thread and canonrinse.com forward slash forum Beck says a friend recommended I pick up Hotline Miami after a discussion on how good the soundtrack for the film Drive is he was quick to point out that Hotline Miami is a must own for anyone who liked that film and that liked that film the soundtrack excelled he did mention that I only pick it up if I could lock myself away from distraction with a good set of headphones, which was excellent advice. Sound is a huge part of gaming for me. I'm a sucker for a good tune. The more I think of my favorite experiences, the more I realize the soundtrack plays a massive part, be that the rights to Mexico and Red Dead Redemption, or the epic pieces from the Halo series in a gunfight. And I feel the team buying Hotline Miami have got the track selection spot on. Each track puts you in the flow for that level and works brilliantly with the respawn mechanic. I'm not normally into that sort of music, that's found in Hotline Miami, but I've since found myself checking other artists in that genre. I struggled with the game's controls, especially the crosshair aimed for ranged weapons. I found the aiming required pinpoint accuracy, which I never got quite right. I've never figured out if this is just me or the Vita version, but I ended up avoiding a lot of the weapons as they always ended in my death. Even by the time I got the Platinum Trophy, I wasn't comfortable using ranged weapons. I found using shotguns and melee weapons a much safer option than risking death with a pistol or rifle. I seem to be capable of emptying an entire clip in a room of enemies and missing everything. It reminds me of that scene in Pulp Fiction where Travolta and Jackson cannot believe they just came out of a gunfight unscathed. Uh, Kiss Mammal says, As I have less and less time for gaming these days, I tend to get my fix from shorter, more condensed games, so Hotline Miami was right up my street. The ultra-violent Nicholas Winding Refn-inspired aesthetic, garish pixel art style, and hectic electronic soundtrack sealed the deal. As with the trial series, it's every bit as challenging as the old school games I grew up with, but the instant restart helps helps take a lot of the potential frustration away. The pounding music, twitchy controls, and potential for sudden death really helps to build a frantic, tense experience. 
I especially appreciate how you're able to freeform levels, trying out many different tactics and mask abilities to get the job done. Having said that, I do remember it taking a bit longer than I expected to get my head around the game. The first couple of hours feel a bit overwhelming and exhausting, so it wouldn't surprise me if many players gave up early on. But overall, the main areas where the game stumbled were the bits that weren't like the rest of the game, specifically the tiresome stealth section in the hospital and some of the boss battles, which seemed a little random and unfair. I didn't get any satisfaction from defeating the bosses, as there was little room for improv- improvisation, mainly just relief that I didn't have to fight them anymore. I understand the need to break things up to stop the game from getting repetitive, but I hope these aspects are something they can improve on in Hotline Miami too. Okay, Tadinho, uh, Brian, would you like to read uh, his forum post? Yes, Tadinho writes, Hotline Miami was a game that came out of nowhere for me. It didn't register on my radar at all until all of a sudden everybody started to talk about it. I decided to pick it up and I was immediately taken in by the weird 80s style, the addictive gameplay and the fantastic music. I was really enjoying myself with the game. One aspect of it that really intrigued me was the plot. I was sure the game had some kind of twist or message behind all of the weirdness and I was determined to get to the end and find out. That even made the notorious hospital level my favourite of the game because I thought things were finally coming together there, but they weren't. I got to the end and there was nothing. Worse, I got to the end and the developers outright told me there was nothing to the game and that was the point. I was disappointed to say the least. I get that most people love the game for the gameplay and don't care for the story. Maybe that's how the game should be played but I was searching for answers and the ending really affected my perception of the entire game. The boss fight sure didn't help me to forgive the game. After dying 30 times in a row to one and getting the ending that I did, you can see why I wasn't very happy. It also doesn't help that on the gameplay side I found an exploit that allowed me to cruise through most of the game. Open a door, shoot a gun into the room and wait at the side of it as the enemies (laughs) try to follow you. That way you can kill most of the enemies in the level just by punching them into the door before they can turn and shoot you. It worked 9 times out of 10 and really made me see how basic the AI in the game really is. You can say that's not the way to play the game and I would agree. The game rewards creativity in the missions and this method isn't really creative but it still doesn't change that fact that it worked. In the end, Hotline Miami was a fun addictive game for some one of the best of the year but I wished it could have been something more. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think it's I think it's valid for to have a response like that. When, oh yeah, definitely. If you, if you don't yeah. want to, if you don't want a game to kind of chastise you, like I just gave you my money, like you don't, yeah, no, you don't no, get to make yeah. fun of me. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how yeah. I felt about some of the things in Spec Ops. I was like, oh, no, I'm just having fun, but no, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and Spec Ops does have a similar message to the gamer, mm, and, and yeah. that's a game that I didn't particularly enjoy. Uh, I understood the, the message that was trying to be given, but it yeah, wasn't a game yeah. that, that spoke to me greatly. Uh, as a game, frankly, but um, yeah. but in terms of the story as well. Uh, so no, uh, yeah, uh, thank you very much, Tadinho. Hopefully, uh, you've enjoyed the discussion nonetheless. Okay, Andy, would you like to give us the uh, the last uh, last forum input? All right, this is from Crayman Edge, who says, "I loved Hotline Miami for the warped neon '80s atmosphere. It feels dirty, sweaty, breathless, and strung out." The story and what you're doing is messed up, and it plays brilliantly. I love building up a plan, it all going terribly wrong, and coming back to try again with that new knowledge. It's nasty work you're doing, but in the heat of the moment it feels so good. 
bursting into a room and knocking down a guy standing by the door, throwing your weapon across the room to stun a gunman before he can get the shot at you, executing both before they can get to their feet, and then firing off the gun to lure a couple more victims to their death is never not awesome. And then of course there's the music, which deservedly gets mentioned whenever anyone talks about the game. It's all licensed as far as I'm aware, but fits the game as if it was written especially for it. For me the most memorable track is Hydrogen by Moon, as it's the track that plays most frequently through the action during the action. The association is so ingrained in my mind that hearing the song makes my heart beat faster as if I'm playing the game. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you very much, Kramer Edge. Um, okay, your three-word reviews that were sent to at Canaan Rinse. Uh, we request these on the day of recording, usually, uh, and thankfully we had a very strong uh, response. So, uh, we're going in alphabetical order, guys. So, Andy, would you like to kick us off? All right, at first, it's my man at 87th. He says, shotgun door debris. At Frozen Treasure says, viscerally insanely satisfying. At Haze Red Mist, hard as nails. At Patty Stardust says, door banging brutality. At Minute 5072 says, that soundtrack oofed. <laughs> At Xavier Fox Shandy says, fing epic soundtrack. At Richie Atwood says, self conscious commuting slaughter. At Tat Sun says lovely pixelated violence. At Moose Grinder says deeply unsettling soundtrack. At Akilla Edwards, trippy bloody violence. At Count Steck says for violence sake. At Child of Shade says entrancing yet disappointing. Jerome MCI says not for me. And at Nekimansa says speedrunning dream nightmare. Okay, uh, that leaves us with our final word on on the game. Um, I'm going to go first. I'm going to keep it brief for once and just say that <laughs> I talked about when we uh, when we we chatted uh, on Kane Rins about Manhunt about why extreme games can often um, can often appeal to me and not necessarily because I think the violence in them or the extreme quality that they may have is appealing in and of itself but what it does is allows me to uh, to take a different look at, at video games in, in some way shape or form it, it puts that extremity in front of you and forces you to to deal with it to uh, kind of admit to it admit to yourself what you're doing and this game is all about that it shines a light it it asks you directly, do you like the violence you are committing? <laughs> and at that point, the, the responses you have are to either continue playing a game that you're not enjoying, to understand why it's so uncomfortable and enjoy it nonetheless, or to stop playing the game. All are valid responses. For me, this game is is incredibly multi-layered and as we've said many many times that goes for its constituent parts individually on their own I would never listen to the soundtrack because it's so tied to the game I only want to hear it when I'm also having my eyes absolutely just blazed by neon um, the whole package for me to say a game like this is appealing sounds odd, but it is. It, <laughs> it, it just speaks to me. It fires some neurons in my head uh, and, and forces me to ask questions about why I'm playing video games full stop. And I love that about it, as, as many of the podcasts I've hosted are about me understanding why I like playing video games. Perfect example here. Okay, Brian, how about you? Would you like to sum up Hotline Miami for us, please? Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I certainly... Um don't look at it in quite 
uh, as deep a way as you do I think um, I think I'm a bit more shallow in it I, I, I do enjoy the violence I do I enjoy the, <laughs> the splashes of colour the you know the splatter and the, the really gruesome uh, noises that are made when you know you bring the uh, <clears throat> machete down on someone's head or even, even that little bit when you, you run in and just hit the X button and, and he's got no weapon and he just sort of does something to their neck snaps their neck it's um, there's something very uh, kind of brutal and addictive about it and then when you've got the the soundtrack pumping away the quick restart it's it's hypnotic and you do get into a into the zone while playing it yeah. uh, uh but there's a there's a nice sort of there's a nice rhythm to to the game as a whole that, that it sort of has its you know moments of intenseness uh, and then the the quiet aftermath where you're, you're sort of picking your way through the the dead bodies and onto the, the sort of the brief story interludes uh, I think it's just a really well put together game, which could essentially just be a, a score attack game, or a kind of a you know a, a murderous sort of puzzle type game. But they've they've built stuff around it to make it a bit more than a bit more than just that. So I think for people that come to a, come to games for stories, you know the first time through they'll get something out of it. Uh, the second time through, if they're if they're just looking to sort of up their scores or sort of play through, run through the levels, there's a, there's an, an addictiveness and a compulsion to doing that as well. And as a commuting game, which is how I've pretty much only played it, it's absolutely perfect. You know, a couple of levels before work gets yeah. you ready for <laughs> gets you ready <laughs> for a day <laughs> dealing with you know people. It's yeah, yeah it's the, the perfect <laughs> uh, perfect game to play to start your to start your work day so yeah highly recommending from me and uh, i'm i'm poised to purchase hotline miami 2 as soon as it's released yeah likewise for me and i don't think there was anything shallow about that i think you've explained mm. <laughs> incredibly well why the game appeals to you yeah <clears throat> uh okay sean hmm uh hotline miami made me love killing people and then made me hate myself for loving killing people and then I still kind of loved killing people. Um, <laughs> this really weird uh, bunch of frames of mind that I went through while playing the game. And um, yeah, I, I just love everything about it from the visuals to the ridiculous soundtrack, which I, I, I converse to you, James. I actually do. I have it on my phone. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> like, it's just so great. And, and the soundtrack that I've heard for the second one is equally as awesome. Like these guys have just really good taste in music. And which is weird coming from like 16 year old me would hate that because I was, grew up on metal, but uh, <laughs> here I am listening to dance music all the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I love how the game can be either an excellent score attack game or an excellent commentary on violence and the dreamlike state of the story really appeals to the Lynch fan in me and just everything about this game speaks to me in a really deep level. So yeah, highly recommended. Even though it's totally not for everyone, like there are going to be a lot of people who don't get anything out of Hotline Miami, and I hope they at least give it a shot. You probably own it, actually. I mean, it's it's been on Steam sales and PS Plus, and yeah, yeah. it's been super cheap at all times. It's, so, it's yeah. been humble bundles as well. So yeah, yeah. Of, oftentimes I'll find I own a game and I'm not sure how I got it, and it's probably yeah. a humble bundle at some point. Yeah. So um, yeah, excellent. Thank you. Okay, to round us off, Andy, I figured you would probably be most positive, but I, I think most positive of, of four very positive summaries is uh, it 
Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, uh, much like some of the other ones I've done for you guys on this podcast, going last is very, very difficult, because um, for the most <laughs> yeah. part, you've already said everything that needs to be said. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I love that, like, um, I mean, I played it initially with none of the uh, cutscenes or anything on on the game, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it was just a very stripped back version of what you know what we finally have. And even then, I could see myself getting properly into it and probably addicted to beating the scores. Um, you know, uh, and since then, obviously, I've played the full release, and you know, it had extra levels, and I love that um, the, the story that they actually weave throughout it. Not only is quite a good tale, but it has all these like deep meanings in terms of you know violence and video games, and what what actually the point is of playing video games in general. <laughs> um, and you know, that's awesome. I really you know I like that that's there, but strip that all away, and I mean my sort of game like my favourite sort of game is like ones that you can really sort of put time into and get better at them and learn Mm. them almost like they're a martial art so things like Street Fighter 4 Ikaruga um, Skate was a big one as well and Mm. Hotline Miami has slipped straight into that you know it's a game that you know you can play over and over again get better and better and better at and there will always be something like the next goal will always be over the hill you know it's it's not something yeah. that you'll ever master there will always be someone either better than you or a little thing that you can do to make yourself go to that next level mm. and even yeah. just seeing some of the stuff they've got planned for the sequel because I'm I'm so used to the mechanics of this game I can already imagine not only how I would use them in my own strategies <laughs> but how they would feel on the controller Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you know, the, the, there's a feeling of inertia and weight, and the speed of the turning and stuff. That it, it's everything in the game is is designed to be the way it is. From you know, from, not just mechanically, but from the look and the music. And I just think as a total package, Hotline Miami is on a short list of games that I consider absolutely perfect. Um, I don't think that there's any any wasted motion in there. Everything is designed to be as it is. Um, there's it's, there's no sort of marketing cynicism or anything like to it. These two guys set out yeah. to make this game. They had a really really good idea, and that's what we've got. You know, at no point did someone step mm-hmm. in and go like, "You need to change this. You need to change that." No, yeah. Hotline Miami is exactly what these two guys wanted to make. It turns out they wanted to make a really really good game. <laughs> As many people do, but unfortunately, it doesn't always work out like that. So yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic to see in this case. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I always feel honour bound to apologise that we're all so effusive about the game, but uh, as always, this is our honest reaction to to a game. Um, as, as Sean, you said, this game's not going to be for everyone. It is, uh, as I said, an extreme game. But uh, hopefully, our discussion, our enthusiastic discussion, has been entertaining even for those who didn't enjoy the game as much as we did. Um, So, uh, it only remains for myself, James Carter, to say thank you very much to Sean O'Brien and uh, also to Brian Tarrant. You'll find us at canandrinse.com and on podcasts in the future. Um, And it's also just uh, struck me that I've I've failed in my duties as host because I didn't mention that Andy Hamilton is our uh, special guest and from Midnight Resistance, uh, which I'm doing now for anyone who doesn't already know that. Uh, Andy, is is there anything about you or your website you would like to inform our listeners of? Oh man, just the normal stuff. Like, if you 
kind of like the idea of a couple of slightly overweight lads with beards talking about video <laughs> games. Um, you can go to midnightresistance.co.uk and we've got a whole bunch of writing uh, from the regular contributors and anyone who kind of wants to use our site as a dumping ground for weird stuff um, mm. as we've had this week um, we've obviously yeah, oh my podcast. god that PC article it's amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they will remain anonymous and um, <laughs> yeah and obviously we've got a, a podcast um, which again you can find on the website and if you want to find me on Twitter my name is and at Andy Hero, which is A N D I H E R O, and if you want to talk about video games, wrestling, or fighting, <laughs> that's where I go. Or or wrestling and fighting video games, indeed. They're, they're <laughs> ideal. Yeah, that's that's, that's my target <laughs> audience. Man. All of your facets into one. Yeah. Uh, no, excellent, and and you very much should. Uh, Midnight Resistance podcast is uh, we we like to to think of ourselves at Kane Rince as, as podcast brethren, absolutely. In, in a certain in a certain respect, in our love for games, as as you've no doubt just heard. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Next time uh, it will be in November. We have a couple of weeks off for our uh, our annual celebrations. This is now three years we've been. Uh, running as a site uh, since Leon J and Tony set us up. Uh, so we're, we're taking a well-earned break and Volume 4 will begin next month. Uh, do join us uh, f- for that and find out what we're going to be covering uh, either on Twitter or at our blog. Thank you very much. See you in Volume 4. Volume 4.